Tits up is both an expression used when things have gone terribly wrong and a phrase coined as a rallying cry to stand up straight, own the stage, and knock them dead. There are few things in this world that can make your life go tits up more quickly than a breast cancer diagnosis, especially for adolescent and young adult women. This podcast is meant to give us AYAs, a feeling of community, understanding, and power, helping us to walk into each day with a feeling of tits up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another week of Tits Up. I am, of course, joined by Sam, my lovely co-host, and we are back this week with Kiara. Uh, We had an episode with Kiara a few weeks ago, but she is back this week to talk to us about a nonprofit that we are very, very interested in um, and we want to know more about for our listeners, but specifically for their caregivers. So Kiara, welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. We're thrilled. We love you. Um, so I, th- I think I just mentioned it, but the the nonprofit is called Be Present. And we've been wanting to do a series throughout this podcast for caregivers. Every now and then having an episode specifically geared towards the caregivers or maybe an episode that you can send for our listeners that you can send to your caregivers, have them listen Um, family members, friends, all of that to, I guess, help them understand um, how to best help during during cancer. So I'm going to kind of hand it over to you, Kiara. Tell us a bit about Be Present First. Like, how did it come about? And, you know, who started it? And what what do y'all do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this because this nonprofit has been a huge part of my life for the past couple of years. But um, Be Present is an organization that was founded after a young woman named Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, excuse me, um, passed away after seven months in treatment for leukemia. And her family and closest friends noticed that, you know, her social support network was so important to her during treatment. But a lot of the times she wasn't able to get that good support that she needed. And so um, in her memory, her mother and her closest friends founded Be Present as a way to um, help the supporter of a cancer patient who might not be a direct caregiver, or maybe they are, but it could be as far as like a coworker or a close friend or someone who's not there every day, but who really wants to be a good supporter to this person to help them get the resources and support that they need in order to better support their cancer person. So um, that's kind of how Be Present came about. Um, We have tons and tons of resources uh, for caregivers and whatnot, and I'm sure we'll get into those in a little bit here. I'm obsessed with this whole idea because, you know, we've we've talked before about people that are just like, well, let me know if you need anything, you know, and it as the cancer patient it's a little bit annoying sometimes because you're like all right cool like i'll i'll come up with a list right question mark like are we are we giving me yet another job here to tell you how to help me you know like it's it's annoying on our end but that being said i never wanted to come across like we're being shitty towards people Mm -hmm. that sincerely do want to help they just have no idea and that's why i love be present like it gives you ideas 
on how to actually help and what what people in our position actually need, like what will really, really help. Absolutely. And that's like kind of how I stumbled upon Be Present. You know, I when I was first diagnosed, there was a lot of conflict between me and my friends because they kept saying the wrong thing, even though they wanted so badly to help. And I was just not in a place that I could be like, they mean well. I was like, no, you know, I, yeah. And so <laughs> I remember speaking to uh, the Stanford University or Stanford Hospital, uh, one of the leaders of the AYA program there and saying, you know, one of my friends said like, there's no girlfriend's guide to your friend getting breast cancer. And it's so true. And so I was like, that's kind of one of the places that I want to focus my advocacy on. And she said, well, I've got just the program for you. Right. And so she sits on our board at Be Present. And um, that's kind of how I was introduced was just that conflict between me and my friends, because you're not going to say the right thing, especially at our age when it's everything so sensitive. It's quote, not supposed to happen, um, yep. et cetera. Nobody has experience with this. Nobody knows the right thing to say. I think that's so important. You know, I mean, I was not in a position, I know, I was so angry and pissed off about everything. And, you know, my poor husband was just always tripping all over himself, saying things to me and I get all pissed off at him or, you know, friends or whatever. And it's, be I think it's because you have so much anger, like you said, you know, like this isn't quote unquote supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and when <laughs> I remember in my mind, like when people were like, well, let me know how I can help. I'm like, well, can you make this go the fuck away? Because if you can't, then you can't help me, you know? And now like I look back right. and I'm like, oh God, that's bitchy, <laughs> you know? And like people sincerely do want to help. So like, mm -hmm. what are, what, I, I, also I love the girlfriend's guide to your friend having cancer. Like that's, that's a fantastic way of putting it. So it needs to exist. <laughs> it needs to. It needs to. Maybe one of us could get up off our asses and do it. Um, so tell me, tell me what are some of the resources? What are some of the ways that Be Present helps caregivers, friends, family, anybody that really does want to help? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing I recommend always is going to our website and finding the um, supporter roadmap. It's a really incredible tool that kind of shows you as you go through the cancer experience, you know, at the beginning, what do you want to learn about in order to better support your person and kind of walks you through very gently how to support. It includes other resources to look at, etc. We've also got a blog. There's a ton of like pinned blogs of oh no, my friend has cancer, now what? And things like that. I've also written some topical blogs of like, you know, it's Valentine's Day, how do you celebrate? Or um, things like that. So definitely check out the blog. Um, I also co-host our podcast called The Support Report with Be Present, um, where we interview, uh, it started off just cancer patients about their experience and what good support looks like to them. We've started branching out a little bit where we're interviewing, you know, other orgs that support and, um, you know, things of that nature. So it's really interesting and they're quick bite-sized 20 minute episodes. So those are always a good one to look at. Um, and the last one I would say this is for both patient and caregiver to look at is we recently launched the, um, be there app where you can, um, the patient can come on and every day or however often they want to update it, say, you know, 
I am interested in text only, or I don't want contact today, or here are the things that I need. Here's what I'm feeling. So that, because I know a lot of times, you know, the only way for people to know that is to text you. But if you get 50 texts all asking the same thing, you're going to ignore them, right? And so this is a really great way to just communicate to everyone at once. Um, And you can have wish lists in there uh, for items that you need and just a ton of really helpful things that kind of allow you to communicate en masse to your supporters. Um, So those are kind of our biggest resources, but we've got tons. I definitely recommend you check out our website and um, connect with us on Instagram too. We're always here to help. Uh, no message goes unanswered. If you DM us, we'll help you find your people. Um, yeah. I, I think it's incredible that not only are you guys creating these, um, these resources for people, but you also send them off to other resources, you know, like you mentioned Mm -hmm. other nonprofits or other places like, Hey, if this is your specific issue, this other place could be really, excuse me, this other place could be really, really helpful for you. And I think that, you know, the more that Sam and I have done this, the more we have found that collaborations are so, so, so useful. You know, this isn't like you're starting a business and you don't want to have any competition, you know, like it's mm-hmm. so great that there's been so much collaboration that I've even just seen so far between different nonprofits and podcasts and you know, other things. I will be absolutely sure for our listeners to link in the description, uh, the support report, the podcast, the, did you say the vlog with a V or blog? Blog. Blog. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll link that. I will link the, um, the supporter, was it called the supporters roadmap? Supporter roadmap. Yep. Okay. Perfect. So I'm going to link all of that. Um, for our listeners. So don't, if you're in the car, don't feel like you need to write this down. I will put it all, (laughs) all in the description. Um, so tell us how, how did it, um, how did you get involved in this? I mean, you, you touched on it kind of briefly. Um, but what, what about be present where you like this, this is definitely for me, like this has got to happen. Was, did you have something specific, um, with like a specific family member or something, or was it just the friends that were like, we don't, we don't know how to help. Yeah, it was kind of, I was coming out of the fog of like being recently diagnosed and understanding that like, you know, this is my life now. And I felt like my story was powerful, right? We talked about it on the last episode you guys had me on where I was dismissed for a year and um, then all of a sudden, oh, it's stage four, right? And so I was looking for more ways to get involved in the community. And I spoke to the um, AYA coordinator at Stanford Hospital about, you know, just different nonprofits and different ways to get involved and join their board and things like that. And she introduced me to be present after I told her, you know, that comment about the Girlfriend's Guide to Cancer. Um, And when I spoke to Abby, who's our um, founder and CEO, I just felt such like a kinship and was like this, it needs to be bigger, you know, like everyone's heard of the American Cancer Society and, you know, Susan G. Komen and things like that. But this isn't a household name yet. And I think it should be. And I just really wanted to get involved. I vibed so well with the whole team, the whole board. Everyone is 
fantastic. And that relationship has just continued to be that way. I mean, I think I'm almost three years in at the organization now, and it's been so fantastic. Like most people are located in San Diego. And when I went down to visit a friend, I had a little bit of free time when she was at work. And um, everyone just came to the park, brought a bunch of food, and we just hung out. Like the first time I got to meet everyone in person, like taking time out of their weekend to spend with me. Um, Yeah, it's just like a really, really wonderful group of people and a a message that is so, so important. Like, I think there are a ton of orgs I could have volunteered for where fundraising is the goal or chemo care packages are the goal. And there's just so many of those, right? And they get so much support that I was really drawn to doing something different that I felt was a big, big need. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up uh, at Be Present. I I think that is a very important point to put on it, you know, that we as um, cancer patients, we do get a lot of support, you know? I mean, it's still sucks and like there's a reason that there's so much support you know it's one of the worst things you're ever going to go through um but this is this is a family and I'm including friends in this but like this is a family diagnosis cancer Mm -hmm. you know and specifically breast cancer and you know things that we need to go through and the changes to our body and our psyche and everything else but we don't live in a vacuum we no matter who you are you have some sort of community even if that's your dogs you know right. um like i've had people before say like i i have or i've talked to people before and they've said like i don't have any community you know and that that sucks a lot too but like there there is always somebody whether it's a spouse or a family member maybe you're just calling your mom or your sister or your friend on a regular basis you know um and they they need to have tools to help Mm -hmm. us out um you know just like we would be looking for tools to help them out if they were going through something similar or something really really difficult and i think it is brilliant um just the whole concept of be present to help out the caregiver i know that you mentioned in the last episode a few other um nonprofits that exist for the caregiver as well um and we may you know, do some collaborations with them, hopefully down the road, because we want to make this, like I said, a series. We want to have every now and then an episode specifically for the caregivers, because we understand that this is, this is incredibly, incredibly hard. Like, I know that my husband had, like he, his mom had cancer before he and I, you know, got married. Um, And she, she passed away, I think in, yeah, it was 2016. Um, So he had, a bit of a better idea of like the ups and downs and the emotions and how you're feeling and all of that stuff. But even he still, like, I, I wish that he would have reached out to somebody even just to talk or to look into how do I take care of myself? I remember pushing and pushing and pushing for him to do something like that, whether it was, you know, just talking to a friend or, you know, a support group or whatever. And He's just, he wouldn't do it, but that's also his, his personality. There are a lot of people though, that would absolutely reach out. And I think honestly, between all of us, I could have gotten him to do it. If I knew about the president at the time, be like, <laughs> look, we're not, we're not having dinner. We're not talking until you look into this because this, right. you need the help because he would also just short out 
sometimes, you know, because it's so Mm -hmm. much. It's so much to take on. Well, and I always say I think the job of a caregiver is so much harder than the job of the patient because the patient has so many resources. They've got a schedule. They've just got to be where they need to be at that given time, right? But for the caregiver, they have to get you there. If they are busy with work stuff, they have to figure out what else to do. They are watching probably the person they love most in the world or one of the people they love most in the world go through something indescribably difficult and they're not able to take that away. Like there are so many difficult pieces to being a caregiver. And we've heard through the podcast, like so many different ways that like people really rely on their caregivers. Like one story that really stuck out to me, we interviewed a woman named uh, Laurel Hope Hart and she um, she was a caregiver for her husband or they might've just been fiancés at that point, but um, he had cancer and he was so terrified for her to leave the apartment. He would be just like, what if something happens when you leave? And like, I get that because I, you know, when David's at work, I'm like, oh God, what if something happens and he's at work, it's an hour away, he works 12 hour shifts, like things like that, right? And, but that caregiver needs time to, they cannot stay in that apartment. And so she started scheduling, like at the same time every day, I'm going for my walk. I'm not going to answer the phone. Like, here's what to do if there's an emergency, but I'm not going to answer the phone. Otherwise, I'm going to take time for me. And like, that is honestly, I feel like a really brave thing, right? Because it's so hard as a caregiver to just be like, no, I need to put my needs first. But David and I have come to a point like this recently where he's just kind of depleted himself completely because he's focused only on my needs. And I keep telling him, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You need to take care of yourself too. Um, But there's not a lot of resources out there sharing how caregivers can take care of themselves and supporters as well. Like it's so hard to watch your like close friend go through this. You're not their direct caregiver. You want to be the one to give them, you know, rides to appointments and stuff, but maybe you live too far and things like that. And so just finding the ways to take care of yourself is really important. And that's part of why I'm really glad that Be Present exists because we we really understand as well the importance of self-care for the caregiver. Yeah, I think that's that's incredibly important. You can't pour from an empty cup. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, Sam and I, and, and you, I mean, we all got um, got thrown into the shit club during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, Cody had absolutely no time to himself. He works from home. We couldn't go anywhere unless it was to the doctor, really. And, you know, really all he had was just walks with the dog, you know, and we were just at each other's throats. Um, do you guys have any, or like on the podcast, um, the support report or any of that, have you guys ever talked about like, when you and the caregiver are just like at each other's throats. <laughs> um, like, that's, that's kind of where we were for a hot second. Um, you know, I mean, it was usually me. It was usually me just being a bitch um, and not giving him enough space, frankly. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about that a little bit to like specific caregivers who had that issue. Um, it's definitely not like our focus, but I think it's something that's really important yeah. because a lot of times like they feel like they can't voice those issues that they have and the things that they want. Like David and I have had to, 
I feel like if people didn't know we had cancer and just heard how we communicated, they would be like, dear God, these people are insane because we have to like sit down and be like, okay, how do you want to hear about this news? And what do you need? And we have to have this very open dialogue of like, you know, this is our life. I am metastatic. This is never going to get better. So how do we handle, you know, this moving forward? And it's a lot of like intentional communication that's really hard to do when you're at the beginning in the thick of it and the caregiver is also grieving and probably going through other things that they feel like they can't voice to you um one blog that i wrote about so a, a theory of support that i really love and believe in is called the ring theory so if I wrote a blog on this for Be Present, so um, I can link that out to you guys as well. But yeah. think about like if you had a bunch of concentric circles, right? You have the smallest circle in the middle. That would be your patient. Then the next circle around that small circle, that would be like their direct caregiver, their closest family members, their friends who are taking time out of their lives to do things. Then you have the next circle where it's like more casual friends or like close friends who aren't necessarily being the most supportive, things like that. Then you go in another level and it's your coworkers and things like that, right? Like as you go out, it's the people who are less and less close to the patient. And this ring theory of support says that you should always bring support in. So as you're going inwards into that circle closer to the patient, always bring support. As you go outwards from the patient, that's where you dump, right? So you dump your stresses, your anxieties, your things like that. And that's something that I always really preach because it is so hard when people come to me and are like, I'm just so upset at what's happening to you and things like that. And like, I cannot yeah. hear that. David cannot hear Like I almost put David in like that middle circle with me. Like he cannot hear that. But when you go a level outside of yourself, right? Like if that's my parents, they can go to my aunts and uncles who are a little bit further apart. And so when people are kind of struggling of like, where do I go? I really like to point them to this ring theory of support. And like, we didn't create this. It was um, a psychologist that is credited in the blog, but um I think that's like a really important thing when you're having conflict just to understand like the, you know, support in and dump out. And like a lot of times it feels unfair because it's like, okay, well, the patient's always in the center. Yes, in this issue, but the <laughs> caregiver is going to have their own issues where they're going to be in the center and you're going to be the outer ring and they get to dump on you for those things and you support them. Right. And so um, that's kind of always what I try and think about. That's a fascinating theory, or mm -hmm. I don't know if theory is the right word. Um, I they call no. it the ring theory, so it, we can go with that. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's stick with theory. Fuck it, let's stick with theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that that's fascinating because, like, for me, I I work with visuals. Like, my brain mm -hmm. is I don't know if it's the ADD in me or what it is, but like when I have a visual of something or like the food pyramid <laughs> or whatever, like that tends to work a lot better mm -hmm. for my brain. And I think that that is also really helpful. Like I'm trying to think right now of like, what if, you know, one of my friends got cancer, you know, how would I go about it? And to be honest, I, I would probably go directly to be present and try to figure out because I didn't experience this from a caregiver perspective, you know, mm -hmm. or from a friend perspective or any of that. Like I have only been the, 
the patient. And you would think, you know, when we were about to start recording this, I was thinking like, oh, you know, maybe I'd be like fantastic at this now since I've already been the patient. But no, it's it's a whole different it's a whole different can of worms um, Mm -hmm. when you're the one, you know, caring for others, whatever that looks like, whether that's tucking them in at night, getting them food or just laying on the couch and watching shitty TV with them, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's different layers and being the patient does not give you some sort of special insight into how Mm -hmm. to be a caregiver. Because at some point, unfortunately, all of us will likely have the roles reversed in some way, shape or form. You know, I mean, women are getting breast cancer faster and at younger ages. I mean, the likelihood that one of my friends will be diagnosed is high. I I don't know what the actual number would be, clearly, but to me, it feels high, unfortunately. I wouldn't know how to turn around and do that the right way. Um, Knowing me, I would probably over support. (laughs) Like, do you need me to move in? What do you need me to do? (laughs) Like, how can I help, you know? Um, but I think that that's a really, really important theory to have, you know, like I would have to go outward probably, you know, I'm thinking if one of my friends got diagnosed, I would probably have to go outward to like my husband or somebody and talk to him about all of the shit that I was then feeling about that. But then I'd have to be in a different mindset and in a different framework when dealing with my friend in this case that I'm creating in my head, but when dealing with my friend um, who had cancer or something. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a tough shift to make truly. Like I've, you know, David has other health issues that I've tried to support him through. And, and, you know, I had a friend this year who went through um, some fertility issues and things like that. And the way that I just immediately jumped into all of the things that I hate when people support me, the (laughs) amount of time, like she texted me about it. And the amount of times that I had to rewrite that message because I wrote, tell me what you need or like, and then I was like, nope, hate that. Go back. It's not a natural thing to support people in the way that they truly need because we live in this society where you don't, I don't know. It's just, we don't talk about this enough. We don't, sorry. uh, We don't discuss like what, what we really want it's just kind of all focused on what makes us feel better right and so it's not a natural like I work with be present I'm part of this organization and still I was not a good supporter at the beginning and even now I I question whether I'm doing the best that I could there you know and so it's really important too to give yourself grace I think because nobody knows how to do this well and especially at our age and at our age, there's so many issues that come along with it that don't come for the, you know, older generations, right? We've got fertility issues, body image issues, financial toxicity, career, like so, so many things that people who are diagnosed at the quote average age, which I think is changing, um, mm-hmm. just never really have to experience, right? And so there's so, so many things to think about as a caregiver and it's it's not easy. No, it's absolutely not. I mean, even just thinking about being the caregiver, like it, it kind of gives me anxiety. And I kind of go back to like when my mom had cancer, but like I was a kid, I was in like eighth or ninth grade. Um, but even just, I, I remember like, you know, rubbing her feet or, you know, like my, 
I remember my mom saying that like she wanted touch, you know, like we mm-hmm. we were like this big, loud Irish family. Everybody's yelling all the time. Um, and I honestly didn't even know what personal space was until college when I had like some friends like, girl, you are on me all the time, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, but like when somebody is sick, you sometimes have this feeling that you shouldn't like all of a sudden they become fragile and you don't want to touch them. Otherwise, they're going to break. And I don't know where mm-hmm. that comes from, but that seems to be kind of a human thing, you know. And for her, I remember she just wanted to touch. So whether it was like, you know, giving her like a back rub or like, you know, rubbing her feet while we watch TV. I remember that was when like, um, this is going to age me, you guys. But that was when um, reality TV started coming out and the Osbournes were on. Oh, wow. Either of you guys remember that? Yes, yeah. vaguely. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. I can tell you it was one of my favorite ones because um, Ozzy's just running around cursing all the time. But I remember, you know, kind of like massaging my mom's feet or just holding her hand or giving her a hand rub or something. Um, so, like, I remember touch was a big thing. And that's kind of how it was for me. Like, Cody never, you know, withheld touch, you know, like we'd sit on the couch, hold hands, all of that. Um, but is there... I mean, and maybe this is on um, the the app that Be Present has created as well, or maybe there's been a blog post or something I can find about this. But is there a way for people to tell other people like what it is that they need? Like, I still need hugs, or I need sugar, or I need like whatever it is. But like things like that. For me, it was touch. That's the family that I come from. You know, so like I needed to. If my friends came over, I wanted a big hug and we just kind of pull back in our chest, but still hug me really tight, you know, um, what I just went on a tangent, but like, do you, <laughs> thoughts? I no, <laughs> know. totally. I think, um, the be there app is an awesome way to do that because there's a little spot where you can write like how I'm feeling today. And that's a great way to be like, Hey, I just really miss that like physical touch or, you know, So I personally, like, that kind of thing makes me uncomfortable unless it's with, like, my closest circle. So, like, I, you know, being diagnosed during COVID, I, like, I just wanted company. And so I would have loved to write, like, hey, just come over. And my friends were fantastic. They would come over. My I lived at home at that time. And we had this big, huge deck. And so my parents would put out like lawn lounger chairs six feet apart and we would all wear masks, get in blankets and we brought a TV outside and we would watch TV together. And like that was the best thing because we had like our company and they would bring nice food and, um, you know, things like that. And so that would be something that I would share, right? Like you could share, hey, I really don't want any sort of physical touch or, hey, today I'm just I really don't like how I look. So I'm not up for FaceTime, but would love to have a phone call and just like talk to you about how I'm feeling. So um, I think that communication is important. And like I said earlier, it's tough to say that to every single person. And so that's where the Be There app is really, really helpful. You can update it every day, every week, every month, never update it and just keep it as like, this is what I always need. Like it, um, it's a great way to just share kind of as a patient here is what I need if you want to be a supporter, right? And I think listening to that too as a caregiver is just as important like I think a lot of times there's a tendency to be like oh they say they don't need anything but like I know what I would need like 
I, one of my friends, I remember when I was first diagnosed, she really wanted to plan a trip for when I was done with treatment. This was before we knew I was metastatic. And I kept being like, well, I don't know what it's going to be like in a year. I don't know. I don't know. And she went to her dad and was like, I would want something to look forward to after treatment. Like, I don't know why she's being so standoffish about that. And her dad was so wise and was like, you don't know what you would need because you have not gone through this. And so you have to just let her tell you what it is that she needs. And that story really stuck with me, right? Because it's like the tendency is to be like, you know, I want something to look forward to because that's me. So I'm going to put that on you versus listening to what they put in the Be There app. Or even like if you really actively listen to what people are like saying to you verbally or via text, you can often get clues of like, what it is that they're looking for that I think it's really important to listen to, right? Like I had one time this same friend, God, she's going to be my maid of honor in my wedding. Like she's my favorite person. Um, But I had told, like we were supposed to hang out, I think. And I was just not feeling well at all. I had really bad mouth sores. And so it was really difficult to open my mouth. And so she was like, Hey, I'm just going to come drop stuff by. And she brought me chia pudding and like a squeeze thing she made homemade bone broth she brought ice cream she brought like trashy magazines to read books like all sorts of things for me to do that didn't require me to chew that didn't require me to open my mouth that I could just like sit and she knows that I love um you know I love a trashy (laughs) tv like uh (laughs) trash tv trashy magazines like all of those kinds of things and so um Yeah, I think just kind of listening to those clues, even if your patient is not using an app like that, can be so helpful. And like, I think that really brought me and that friend so, so much closer together. There really is nothing like somebody actively listening and showing up for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I... I've talked about this before, but like, you know, a a good friend of mine who lives in Michigan, I was just telling her, you know, it was during COVID and everything and blah, blah, blah. And she, she knows me well enough to know that I, I want people around and I want, you know, to be very close to people. And COVID was really, really difficult for me on top of going through cancer during that. And, you know, she took a lot of, uh, she went to a lot of lengths to make sure that she did not get it on her way over and she flew out simply just to hang out for like a week you know and for some people they might look at that as like oh god damn it you know like now I gotta host somebody and blah 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 but this is the type of friend where like she'll walk into my house and she doesn't notice if it's dirty or anything like that's not the point like we don't care we're past that you know it's like it's like a sibling at that point you know um so she just stayed in our guest room and we just hung out and watched trashy tv the whole time and just talked and it was so like just her listening to me i never asked her to come mm-hmm. out but she listened and was like this is what i know this bitch needs <laughs> like i know her well enough this is what she needs and she made the effort to do it you know um i had so many friends that did so many incredible things um and you know there are also people that you wish would have stepped up um mm-hmm. and didn't um I mean, Sam, what are, what are you thinking? Like, is there, can you think of any instances where people were doing something amazing or just not all that great? And you don't have to name um, names. <laughs> I think, I think I chose self-isolation 
during active treatment. Um, my mom visited a couple times, and it's not that anybody wasn't welcome. It's just like I really didn't feel well most of the time, so I just knew it wouldn't be a great thing to have people over because I'm the type of person like, oh, like how can I make this nice for you? And I think it's very shocking when people come in see you for the first time especially family like when you were healthy six or eight months ago with hair and blah 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 and then you know you're bald and kind of frail or have tubes in you and they're like whoa what what's going on there so like you weren't kidding um so I think that shock factor <laughs> kind of uh I don't want to say keeps people away but I think for me, I just chose self-isolation during that because I didn't feel well. I didn't, I think about people's reactions to certain situations and I'm like, I would be uncomfortable. I don't want to be around somebody who's clearly in pain, uncomfortable. You know, you don't really want to be there. I wanted to lay in bed 90% of the time. Um, but that's just kind of me. I'm more of a suffering silence type. <laughs> <laughs> I, but that's important. Like if, for your friends to listen to, right? Like if you had a friend who was like, no, no, I know what you need and was constantly just showing up at your doorstep, like that is not good support versus for Megan, that is good support, right? And so it's about knowing your person, listening to the little clues that they give you and things like that. I mean, and and at the end of the day, it's just literally like, that's why we're called be present, like just be there right? Like yeah. I, whether it's via text, whether it's, you know, a quick FaceTime, whether it's flying across the country, like be there in the way that you can and in the way that honors the patient. Um, but yeah, I would love to talk about any like horror support stories if anyone has some. <laughs> Sorry to hijack your Ooh. podcast here, but hmm. I've got... I have one I can start with. Yeah, yeah, you start. Let me let me see this horror story. I'll 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 follow up. I'll see what I've got. Uh -huh. It's not a true like mind. horror horror story, but <laughs> I had this friend that like I thought we were very very close. Um, we hung out all the time, and we had made plans to go on like a socially distanced walk, and it happened to be on the day after I got diagnosed. And so I texted her when I got diagnosed and was like hey, like, here's what's happening. I'd really love to like go for a walk anyways, get some air, but like, I just feel like you should know what's going on. And she goes, yeah, 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 no problem. Like, absolutely. So sorry, this is happening. Let's still go on a walk. And then maybe an hour before we were supposed to leave, she texts me and goes, hey, my cat's laying on me and he feels hotter than normal. I think he has a fever. So I need to stay home and take care of the cat. And I was like, Okay, never heard from her again. Top. Was yes. she a close friend? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Yeah, like it's it's not that hard to be just like support. Some people just truly cannot handle wow. it. And it was like, I ended up having to block her on social media after like six months to a year of no contact because I would see her posting like out at bars, out with friends, A, like, flagrantly just ignoring COVID restrictions, which pissed me off as an immunocompromised person. But then also like you're out with friends, like, you know, she was getting her master's and stuff. And so I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt of like, oh, she's going through her own tough time. But like, no, if you're out at bars, like you can send me a quick text to see how I'm she's doing. She's living right? it up. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. Bitch, you're fine. <laughs> right. 
And I think everyone, like, it's not always this dramatic, but I feel like everyone can think of someone who it's like, man, I really expected them to be there and they just weren't. So, yeah, I have, I have a few. Um, (laughs) And I I hesitate how deep I want to go into this, but um, first one is pretty, pretty benign. Um, My, uh, a friend of mine, she's one of those people where she, um, she doesn't often listen to like when you're telling her what's going on, it's kind of like the yeah, 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 yeah. But mm. now let's talk about me, you know? And um, I had been telling her for a long time, you know, what I was going through the surgeries I was going through and stuff. And she had gotten pregnant and she was going to be having a baby shower. And when I explained to her that I had just recently gone through a hysterectomy, I don't have kids. I will never have kids. Um, and then she invited me to her baby shower. I was like, look, I just, I, I am not about to make your baby shower about me. And if I show up, I'm going to, like, I just know myself right now. I'm not in a good space and it's just going to make me jealous and sad and bitchy. So I, I don't want to put myself through that. I don't want to do that to your baby shower. I will send you gifts and everything will be amazing. But like, I, I don't think that I should be there right now. And she was pretty mad about that for like, a long time like she couldn't understand why I couldn't just like suck it up and quote unquote be there for her um and to be honest like I she she had that baby (laughs) and it took me about a year to even go and meet him like I it's not that I had no interest but like I was so I was still reeling from all of the big changes in my life that I would look at her little perfect son and immediately my brain would go to jealousy. And I knew Mm -hmm. that that wasn't right, but I also couldn't not do it. So I just removed myself for a while. And I never removed myself without explaining things or whatever. Like we would still text and go out for dinner, but it wasn't around kids. You know, Mm -hmm. like we, we could talk about her kids and all of that, but like there was just kind of... I had to make that distinction. I, I needed to make that separation because I had already put myself in some situations that I probably wasn't ready for, um, like going back to work too soon or, you know, whatever. And my brain would just short out because it wasn't capable of handling all of that. Um, the other one is, um, again, this is what I hesitate to really go deeply into, but my sisters. So I have two younger sisters and the middle one we've, always kind of struggled we'd go through periods of talking and not talking talking and not talking um and I texted her to let her know like hey just for your we weren't really talking at that point so I texted her and I was like hey this this happened you're four years younger than me we have the same genetic makeup so like heads up you know you probably have dense breast tissue make sure that you get your um mammograms but also the ultrasound and all of that and i kind of ran through that and we had a pretty brief convo she was like sorry this is happening to you whatever whatever and then i i didn't hear from her again uh ever and like still to this day haven't heard from her um she also has a son my nephew who i think i met once when he was like three months old or something um And then my other sister, she lived out here in Denver and um, because my other family is in Michigan. So she lived out here in Denver and she she was around for like the diagnosis and the biopsy. 
And she was here all the way through. So she was around for like a month uh, before anything big happened. You know, like once I had my double mastectomy, I remember she was over. Um, it was like two days after or something. And I was sitting out on the back porch with my mom and my sister's there just like having a cigarette or whatever. She was very, very standoffish and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. But I was also incredibly fucked up. Like I was on so many drugs. So I don't really remember this, but I do remember she was smoking a cigarette, tosses the cigarette in my yard and says, well, you seem like you're doing great. I will see you later. And then I didn't hear from her for about another two or three weeks when I got my results back um, after my double mastectomy we did the um we got the results of all of that and I found out that I don't need to do chemo so sick I was really excited about this I called her on my way home like hey what are you doing like I don't have to do chemo yay and she was like at the grocery store or something it was like okay well that's so great glad to hear it like blah 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 and like it was a really brief conversation I remember she was looking for sangria I don't know why that sticks in my head and that was that was the end of it um after that I I didn't hear from her again. She moved back to Michigan, never said a word to me. Um, you know, and I, I know the way that those two tick. They probably are like, well, Megan could have reached out to me. And I'm like, at that point, it was just like when people tell you who they are, listen to them. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that there's a really big difference between I don't know how to support you right now. Will you please tell me or you know, putting in some effort or maybe even just taking a little bit of time because you're struggling as well because your sister, your mother, your friend, whoever has cancer, there's a whole thing that anybody is going to have to go through to kind of reconcile that and square it in their mind. But I also think, you know, I try to give the two of them grace and just say they weren't able to show up for me in that, in that way that I needed them to. Um, but that's about 10% of what happens in my head. The rest of the 90% is like, fuck you. You should have been here for me. If there was ever a time, like that's mm -hmm. the time when you put all of your bullshit aside uh -huh. I don't know why we were fighting. Someone's got cancer. You uh -huh. show up for them. Mm -hmm. And, and they couldn't do that for me. So that's a little bit long winded, but that is my horror story of both of both of my sisters just having having none of it and still never following up i mean i got a random text about the game oregon trail from one of them one time and i was like <laughs> is this is this supposed to be like an apology like we're good now like that's to hear from hilarious you. and yeah. so bizarre yeah but they're it, like hey i found this new oregon trail game and they know that i'm like you know born in 85 i'm a child of that generation <laughs> i will get down on some oregon trail you know but also, like, that doesn't make up for not hearing from you for a year and a half during the most difficult time of my life because I assume it was just because they were uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think this also brings up a really good point because for me, I eventually learned that, like, if someone is making the effort, I will always work with them to figure out a way that we can coexist. I have one friend who just like, she gets so uncomfortable talking about medical stuff and she tries so hard, but her family is very like, we don't talk about this. This is very hush hush. When you're over 30 and you've never talked about it, it's really hard to start doing. And like, 
I just, every time we would talk about it, I would leave feeling terrible. But if we didn't talk about it, I would have a fantastic time. And so that's become my friend that I go to when I just need a distraction and I don't want to live in cancer land, right? Like I feel like there is space for every kind of support as long as people are trying, like just show up right? Like maybe you don't feel comfortable talking about it. And like, I, this was an extreme case. And she told me, you know, like I've tried to talk about it in therapy and I end up like just sobbing the entire session and not being able to get words out. Like I just cannot physically speak about it. It's okay. Like, you know, like I, that's extreme, right? Like not everyone's going to react like that, but it's, it's okay. Like you can still be my friend and we can still like our relationship has changed, but I still consider her a close friend, right? Like I think the most important thing is just being there in the way that you can, that helps your person out. And for the patients, like figure out like if someone's not comfortable or whatever, figure out a way to fit them into your life in a way that like works for both of you, right? But if they're not showing up also like, you know, Megan and I, and I'm sure I cut off Sam. So if she wants to tell her story, she totally can. But like, I think it's important. Like if someone's not showing up for you and they're showing you who they are, believe them. But if they're really trying and they just can't meet you where you are, find a way. Like, I just think it's so important. Like everyone's going to support in different ways. Not everyone's going to show up with homemade bone broth and trashy magazines like (laughs) you 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 find the way to still support and still have them in your life I think yeah I mean wait Sam what were you gonna say (laughs) okay I will share my uh story or one of them I have two this one is the lesser of the two cathartic I like this yeah (laughs) I'm I'm sure I'm sure my mom won't mind it's towards the episode or end of the episode we're getting rowdy everybody so (laughs) um I remember being on the phone with my mom and she frequently called me because she is across the country so she did talk to me a lot we always talked about how I was feeling even though a lot of the time I didn't want my cancer diagnosis situation to be the pinnacle of the conversation right because it always was when I talked to her so I'm like oh can we just talk about some something else but Anyhow, we got into a pretty heated argument, um, and I think it's normal for parents especially to feel guilt over their child getting cancer, regardless if there's no genetic hereditary situation going on there. And so I remember, like, her screaming at me, like, Samantha, what the fuck do you want me to do? And I'm like, I just want you to say it fucking sucks that I have fucking cancer, okay? And it's not your fault. It's it's just something that happened. And I am your daughter, so for that, I just want you to say, damn, that fucking sucks, okay? Is there anything that, you know, you need for me that I can make it suck less? Probably not, you know, but I acknowledge that it fucking sucks, and I didn't mean for that to happen to you, right? It just did, because I think she always took it as a personal attack, like, oh, I thought it was her fault, like, I needed somebody to blame. I never really blamed anybody but myself. I was like, I had some wonky ass cells that wanted to get together, have a little party and make it come together. And the truth of the matter was, is I wasn't taken very seriously because I was young and presented pretty much healthy otherwise. So why would you think who who gets a mammogram in their 20s? Right. 
-hmm. who gets turned away for lumps in their 20s? I'll tell you, over 50% of them. And they say, come back, come back if it doesn't get bigger. Mm -hmm. I've talked about that before, you know, early episodes and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. But that's my cancer story with my mom. All I wanted her to say was that it fucking sucked. And for some reason, I think she had a hard time doing that because she wanted so badly to like justify it or take it away or something like that. And I didn't need that. I just needed somebody to say that fucking sucks. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. Right. I think that's such a tendency too to like at least right and like that was another thing I was doing with my friend who had these fertility issues was like erasing messages like well at least it happened now nope and like (laughs) you know I think we've all experienced this like I yeah I it's so interesting and I thank you guys for sharing this and for letting me take your podcast in that direction I love it I just think it like really normal like all three of us have had difficult support situations and we've had to you know, cut people out. But we've also like, you know, Megan and I both have had to kind of redefine friendships. Like I think the kid thing is really hard and separates a lot of us. Like I had a party when I had my oophorectomy of like a, a, an ovary eviction party, we called it. And my friend asked me if she could bring her kids. And I was like, I don't want to explain to you why I don't want children there. Um, But it's, you know, like, friendships are going to change. This changes who you are as a person. So of course your friendships are going to change, but there's space for the people who are going to continue to show up. And for the people who aren't like those other people who continue to show up are going to fill those gaps. I've found. I think I I love the way that you were saying that um, just now. And I think it is also really important for us as the patients to be able to pinpoint who are the right friends for different needs Mm -hmm. you know um it isn't i guess what i'm saying is it doesn't always fall on the friends and family and caregivers sometimes it falls on us to determine this is a really good friend for when i don't want to talk about any of this shit and if i need somebody to come over and get under a blanket with me and cuddle me like i'm a small baby (laughs) like (laughs) that's the good friend for that you know Like it's, I think it does. It falls on us to also understand our friends and family and what they are good at and what, you know, their strengths and weaknesses, I'll say, you know. Right. And Um, like what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like some people, like your cancer does not exist in a vacuum. Other people are going through divorces and miscarriages and so many other difficult life things that like maybe the friend who has been your biggest supporter for the past six months all of a sudden can't be that person it doesn't mean they're a shit friend it just means that they've got their own stuff yeah and I think just like everything else in this world with every relationship it's communication like Mm -hmm. if you you know I mean if if I had a friend that was like look my love I want nothing but the best for you if you need me I will be there but I just need you to know I am not trying to be distant. I've got two kids with this going on and that going on. I'd be like, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's fine, you know? Um, so yeah, just like every every relationship, just communicate with what's going on with you. And I do think that some of it falls on us as the patient to understand who are the good family members, who are the good friends for X, Y, and Z. And, you know, how do these other ones help out? Um I I just think this whole conversation is lovely. (laughs) 
I no, I totally agree. And I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there too. Like it's, you cannot fit someone into a box that they don't want to go in, right? Like you can't make someone support in a, a way that they just physically are unable. But if they're showing you ways that they want to show up and that fits into what you need, that's awesome. Right. That's fantastic. And that all, like all the different little pieces from every person in your life comes together to make the whole pie, hopefully, right? If you are willing to sit down and and figure out like what works for you. Yep. I, I think this is fantastic. And one thing I was just thinking, be present is, it's the letter B. Yes. Yeah, present. So again, yes. I'm going to have all of this in the description but i always listen to podcasts while i'm driving so if you're anything like me and you're in the car don't feel like you need to write it down i'll say it again um but it is b the letter dash present um what else what have we missed about be present i want everybody to know about this i'm really 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 excited and if you are a listener and you you know you're a patient and you're going through this i would send this episode to all the people that you love um just so that they know about Be Present and send them, obviously, the podcast and everything that I'm going to link. But what what have I missed? <laughs> yeah, I think we hit on like the really, really big things. Um, check out our website. Check out our Instagram. Interact with us. Like a lot of stuff we post is just like, you know, you can see it go by. But if you DM us and say like, hey, I'm x age i'm really struggling with why are you able to help we'll find you a blog post we'll find you a person like tori our social media manager will all the time send me a screenshot of a dm we got to the be present account and be like i don't know how to answer this can you help me like point me in the right direction because she's never experienced cancer and i will help like always we're we really like we're a mission-driven organization it's not about like we do do fundraising obviously, but like none of us are paid. We're all volunteers and we just really, really want to help. Even our CEO volunteers. Um, we really, really just want to help you patients, supporters, everyone. Um, yeah. So interact with us. And if somebody wants to donate or if they want to volunteer, how do they go about that? b-present.org is going to have a ton of information. I believe there's a place where you can just submit a form and say you want to um, get involved. We're always looking for podcast guests. Um, so if any of you want to tell your story, we would love to hear it. Um, and yeah, DM us on Instagram. And yeah, I think those are the biggest ways to to get involved, donate, support, etc. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kiara for coming out again. We love you. Um, I, I have a feeling you're going to be a staple. On this, <laughs> Thank on you this so much. This was so <laughs> much fun. I always have fun with you. See, I'm always, I, I, we got off um, last time and we were just chatting about how much we love you. Oh, so. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, listeners. So like I said, I'm going to put everything in the description. Thank you again for listening um next week we have another good one set up so stay tuned thank you everybody that's our show thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of tits up we'll be back next week thursday and every thursday after that quick reminder again about how you can support the podcast and help us grow this vibrant community that we are creating first 
whether you are listening to the show or watching us on YouTube, please click the subscribe button and leave us a review. Also, send the show to a friend or a specific episode that you really enjoyed. Second, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. All links are below in the description. Or if you are an elder millennial like myself and you would like to call us and leave a voicemail, you can reach us at 720-892-6669. We want to know if you would like to be a guest on the show or if you have ideas for upcoming episodes, thoughts, comments, concerns regarding past episodes. We would love to hear from you. This podcast is for all of us and we cannot do this without you. Also, please remember, we are not medical professionals, and we are never giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different, and just because we did something one way does not necessarily mean that that's how you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well-being, please contact your doctor. Everyone take care, and until next time, tits up.